But orderly to end where I begun, our wills and fates do so contrary run that our devices still are overthrown. Our thoughts are ours, their ends none of our own. So think thou wilt no second husband wed, but die thy thoughts when thy first lord is dead. Shannon Camp. I'm Zach Powers. And this is Stage of Fools. The unofficial Royals podcast. Today we'll be talking about Season 1, Episode 10, Our Wills and Fates Do So Contrary Run. Cyrus, having faked a negative result on the paternity test on the twins, takes power as Prince Regent. Liam, now free of responsibility, begins to pursue a new life in Rio de Janeiro with Ophelia, but ultimately returns to avenge his father leaving Ophelia in New York to chase her dreams of becoming a dancer. Eleanor enlists Jasper to meet Robert's apparent killer, who reveals he was following orders from someone in the palace. Helena falsely cites Alistair's deceased friend Henry as the twins' real father and attempts to put her relationship with Alistair on a hiatus, though Lucius and Cyrus secretly intervene and have Alistair killed. I am so, so, so excited to introduce uh, our guest for today's episode. He is none other than the man who conceived this show, uh, basically birthed it. He's the one who makes it happen week in, week out. It's our producer, Darren Husted. Hey, hello. Darren. <laughs> you may remember Say hi, Darren. let the people hear your wonderful British accent. Well, I mean, I think both of you have attempted accents throughout these episodes. More or yeah, less. Attempted. So, yeah, I, mean. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. <laughs> I can do better, I promise. <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, it's nice to be back for the um, exciting finale. Yep. Um, after after doing the, the um, pilot. And there are some scenes, I think, in this episode which are a little bit kind of uh, mirroring what we talked about in the pilot. So. That's true. I think they reference a couple of things. I think there are some huge callbacks in this episode. Uh, there's one in particular that I'm thinking of, but we'll get to it. Mustn't get ahead of ourselves because yep. I think a lot happens in this episode. I mean, they had a lot of plot lines to wrap up. Obviously, not everything is totally capped off, but they did a good job and making um, a big conclusion. They had to introduce all those season two cliffhangers uh, very suddenly yeah. in this episode. <laughs> Oh, yeah, there's nothing the Royals love so much as a montage full of cliffhangers, mm-hmm. and they really get their money's worth with those For this sure. time around. No, definitely. I will say this, um, in, from like a, from a speaking IRL, as they say, um, <laughs> this, 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 show was, this show was actually renewed before the first episode went out. Mm. It was renewed like about two months before the pilot actually went up. So... When they were doing the final episode, they already knew they had a second season, which is obviously why they do so much, like, Chekhov's pendant in, well, in, in this episode. To be fair, they, I feel like really, a lot of these... Knew. Chekhov's uterus. <laughs> these storylines do yeah. not even get followed through super well in the second season, so there's also that fact. Uh-uh, <laughs> yet. We'll get there. It begins with what I like to call... Uh, I, I've given them a celebrity name, which is Wophelia. Um, because I feel like they... They bring a lot of woe, um, and like that's we start with them kind of like 
Um, just, I don't know, talking about nothing, as they always do. That's why I didn't remember this scene. They are so dull. <laughs> All their scenes are completely interchangeable. Like, you could literally swap out the dialogue from one and put it in another, and you would notice no change. I mean, like, the whole thing as well is like, Ophelia, she says something about, like, um, she she only ever wanted him. Uh, this is Liam. Liam? Yeah, Liam. Um, yeah. And she didn't, she didn't like, want his world. And I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, but your, your dad lives in the palace. You live in a clock tower. How can you not be in his world? Like, that's just such a... People who live in clock towers shouldn't throw stones. For sure. No, it's like, you're in his... Like, even if you never... Like, even if she come back and it was a surprise and she didn't really spend any time with him, you're still in his world. You're in the clock tower, like, right next to the palace. Like, oh, it's... Anyway, yeah, so... They, they kind of jabber on about that for a couple of minutes. This has been bothering me for a while. I mean, I think most notably in the Ophelia and Nick storylines where they were talking about how they come from two different worlds. And in that, she was kind of aligning herself with the world of the royals. And now she's like, this is not my world. I didn't want your world. So I'm just like, I don't understand. And as in the case of Ophelia and Nick, his friends were all also rich, mostly white young people, like their worlds were identical. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I, I get yeah. I get what the show is going for. I think they're completely unsuccessful at it. Although Nick knew I... all the cool bands, unlike uh unlike Liam. <laughs> he knew one. He, he knew, knew one. one. He knew M eighty three. He knew a lot about him. He knew a ton about them. Could have written the Wikipedia page on them. Liam is like finally I'm free, I can do whatever I want, I can go wherever I want. And it's like um, yeah, you, I mean, no one was stopping you from doing stuff before. You've literally done whatever you wanted for the last ten episodes. Like, yeah. when was he, like, when was he constrained? It's just... I would say that being a royal certainly offers you more freedom than not being a royal, because one, you don't have a real job. You have a ton of money that you didn't have to work for in any capacity. It seems like the most freeing thing you could possibly be. Also, I thought it was very, very strange that they would leave the country while his father was in critical condition. I honestly can't yeah. see that happening that at all. I actually didn't even think to about that. To choose to travel away from a family member who's in the last moments of their life. I mean, even if their passing is a certainty, like, that's why, you know hospice centers exist like people will stay with you till the very end it was super bizarre that they would choose to do international travel at that time and liam's like i have no responsibilities i was um <laughs> well and this comes up a little bit later on with the queen um this this storyline which obviously has been gathering for a few episodes uh with her um her bland former lover yeah um and the and the idea of the twins being illegitimate Obviously, the real-life inspiration for that is uh, Diana uh, had an affair with an army officer called Major James Hewitt. Um, and he was a ginger. And um, <laughs> and one of the princes of this, this country currently is a ginger. And there has always been a lot of speculation that maybe his father was not Prince Charles. However, the timelines for when the affair started do not match up. Uh, with like, Harry's also, birth, so have that doesn't looked, make any sense. Have they looked at his face? Have they looked at his face? Harry's face? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's he does, so much he looks Charles. Like... I mean, not as much as his brother, yeah. but come on. Yeah. like the, He looks like a Windsor for it, sure. Uh, it, 
generally it's the gingerness which is the thing that sells this the story but it's been a popular one for a number of years people saying that harry was illegitimate so i can only assume a little bit of that has seeped into the show there's a lot of um kind of in this way there's a lot of hair color based paternity on game of thrones as well i wonder if they took some inspiration from this ginger story yeah. that I've just learned about, by the way. I never knew about that. We've been seeing Liam as analogous to Will, but that's mostly because of his relationship with Ophelia and her looking so much like Kate Middleton. I think there's yeah. actually a lot more Liam has that would be, could be, you could argue is based on Prince Harry. I mean, the whole, like, party prince sure. lifestyle that he's supposedly living yeah. before the series starts, for one, and a lot of, like those things and even Gemma kind of looks like a Cressida bonus so Plus, there's some other parallels yeah. he's got the older the brother side. who everyone respects more yeah so. totally <laughs> yes yeah so I get but like, I think the major like the the major storyline pardon the pun that that kind of influences these last few episodes certainly has been the affair that Diana had in real life with with an army guy oh completely um, I agree with that yeah, yeah. Yeah. Although in this they kind of twist it so that, um, like Diana met um, James Hewitt after she was a princess, like after she was married. Whereas in this the Queen is talking about someone who was a lover before she met the kings. Um, so you know that's like that's kind of like a big difference in the story. And I'm going to take I think so this opportunity to move away from boring Ophelia and Liam because <laughs> there's nothing left to talk about there. And move on to no. Eleanor's first appearance in the show. She actually calls Liam. And for some reason, he has his phone again. I thought he threw it in some beer, but whatever. Do you know what? You've, you've actually skipped over a very important scene, which relates to what I was just talking about, which is Cyrus sends the Doctor to a different country for three years. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's like, he's like everyone, everyone loves you in Gibraltar. Off you go for three years, just in case anyone questions these paternity results. Goodbye. But and it's That's such an important scene because the Doctor's like, but, but, but what results we didn't even do the test? <laughs> so we don't know whether Eleanor and Liam are legitimate, but we know they might be possibly not illegitimate. They might be possibly actually the king's children. So yeah. um, obviously that was pre-planned. That's not totally surprising. The doctor just literally says exposition directly into the camera. <laughs> where oh, it's like, yeah, that's we never took totally any blood. We never did any tests. And it's like, okay, we get it. Stop telling me. I know now. I guessed that like two or three episodes ago, but it's nice for oh, someone yeah. to confirm like directly to the camera and then for Cyrus to just kind of be like, oh, goodbye. We're getting rid of you just yeah. in case. You have you know. served your purpose to the plot. You can leave. <laughs> yeah. I've, and it's weird that he's the exact same doctor who was taking was. care of Simon at yeah, his bedside, but whatever. Yeah. I've said this before, but really the only thing that I think gives any shred of evidence to the the twins actually being illegitimate is the fact that the actor who plays Alistair Lacey looks so much like uh, William Mosley, the actor who yeah. plays Liam. Like, they look incredibly yeah. similar. Other than that, I don't think the show has given us any reason to believe in those claims. No. And um, then after that, then we get to the, the other the other royal couple um, mm. Uh, at, at the at the prison at the prison door. Yeah. Yes. You know it's a prison because there, a woman who is clearly a prostitute is being escorted inside. 
just to make sure you understand, <laughs> this is a jail. Yeah, I have done this couple Jelena. I don't think they should be a couple. You're not the only one. That's definitely their, like, fan tag on Tumblr oh, or yeah. whatever. Yeah. I'm telling yeah. you, to get this show out there to Royals fans, I'm going to have to go deep into Tumblr, and I'm going to have to get the word <laughs> out to the teens. This is not a joke. I really believe that that's going to be my project for a rainy Sunday afternoon. Uh, yeah, so, uh, can I just let that sound out of my body for a second? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, no. This is so dumb. Why would you ever do this? Eleanor gets Jasper out of prison, and she's like, even though I can't trust you, you're the only one to keep me from getting murdered by a psychopath. And she's just like, Hanging out with him, and he's doing his typical, like, oh, we did have a relationship mm-hmm. thing, where he's really, like, <laughs> defensive about the fact that he did all this terrible shit. You know who I'd go I with? know that I'm not being very coherent, but I'm legitimately angry. It's so dumb that she would go back to this guy. Yeah, th- and the funny thing is, they spend this episode on two separate occasions, they recap everything terrible that they have done throughout the whole series. And I was like, stop saying this stuff. Stop bringing it back up. Stop mentioning the videotape. Stop talking about the blackmail. Stop stop mentioning well, the queen's vagina. We don't need to know about all this stuff again. They talk oh. about the queen's vagina so much, but then Jasper says, <laughs> you really need to let that go. And it's like, <laughs> on the one hand, no, she needs to remember that you did that and not forgive you. But on the other hand, Please stop bringing it up. Yeah. Like, you really are making it <laughs> awkward. Because you insisted on bringing this guy along. By the way, Eleanor's super spy outfit is a completely see-through black turtleneck. <laughs> the shortest leather miniskirt I have ever seen. And thigh-high leather boots. And obviously, she looks amazing. But the idea, like, this is my inconspicuous black outfit is just so, so funny. She's dressed for the red carpet. If my clothes are invisible, no one will be able to see me. I mean, she's dressed head to toe in black. It's like <laughs> she, she disappears so into the night. <laughs> it was so funny. Oh. Of course, the camera's like, slow pan over her body, starting yeah. with the boots, moving up. And I was like, thank you, E! Television Networks. I appreciate it. But um, I just that was so funny. That was like her doing secret stuff out of it. Um, I mean, I just feel like, were I in Eleanor's position and I needed somebody to protect me while I met this potential murderer under a bridge, instead of going to the guy who has been sexually blackmailing me, maybe I'd go to Marcus, a bodyguard I know, yeah. who's like a nice guy. But even address this! Jasper says, like, we need someone else, call Marcus, and she's like, he said to trust no one, like, we can't tell anyone else, and I was like, so, but your one person should have been Marcus, <laughs> not Jasper, like, how guy. do you not understand that? Oh yeah. my god. <laughs> Eleanor. <laughs> I think the as you as both of you have stated on a number of occasions, I think the show thinks this couple is acuter than they actually are. Yeah. Like they they think that this is There's like no you know based on the this f- is a funny this is like a, a kind of you know this is they think that this is kind of like the 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 kind of opposite um, of Liam and Ophelia in the. Like Liam it and Ophelia, is, are, but, well, yeah, yeah in terms of interest, yeah, but in like Liam and Ophelia kind of like just came together naturally, whereas you know Jasper and Eleanor have kind of been forced together, and it's kind of like, but we d- we don't really want to think about that, so stop telling us about it, team. Yeah. Seriously, is, the Royals. In terms of fan reaction, they played it exactly right because I guarantee you, if you look up 
anything about the show on any social network, the vast majority of it is going to be Eleanor and Jasper. The vast majority. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't hurt that it's the only relationship that has actually kind of continued to exist for both seasons, but yeah. That's true. Um, I mean, we've talked about this. The reason I come to this show is never for the romance. And mm -hmm. I actually... I liked the drama of this episode, but that was something I kind of struggled with in terms of just watching and, like, not losing interest because none of the couples are particularly intriguing in this episode, especially. It's a lot of just, like, heartfelt confessions. So uh, that was the thing about this episode that I didn't enjoy. I could feel my interest waning a little bit. As per usual, the more interesting side of the episode is the stuff involving... Cyrus and the plotting. And I all come of that for the stuff. plotting and the yes. revenge and yes. the whatnot. In that sense, I loved all the talk about avenging that's coming on later on. Um, and there's a little bit of comedy that ends this scene where Eleanor, uh, for some reason, in the driver's seat, um, reminds us <laughs> that she cannot drive. Like she doesn't even know where the ignition is. You would think Jasper would just drive. But um, we know that this show knows nothing about cars or who should be driving them. Yeah, I know. She's still Talking better about, than Gemma. I mean, she's still a step. That's above the Gemma. origin of why didn't you just ask Marcus? Why wasn't Marcus driving the car? And why wasn't Gemma just giving Liam head in the back seat? <laughs> I will not let this die. Marcus would solve so many problems on this show if they just asked. Um, like the next scene, they actually kind of like we get into the meat of Cyrus, um, and Helena kind of resolving, sort of, their kind of ongoing plot lines. I mean, with Helena, kind of. Um, but we have this, like, exchange about the desk, and I don't know why people, like, cared about this desk, but clearly Cyrus cared about the desk. And so the Queen's like, burn the desk, and Rachel, Cyrus. like, disappears. It comes back with a little gas and can then... that she found somewhere in the palace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then and the Queen's like, I was joking. And and Rachel's just like, oh, well, um, okay then. I think <laughs> just Cyrus... Like walks off. It's like the king's desk. And I think Cyrus is really into, like, the accoutrement that comes with the position of being uh, the king of England. Like the... Yeah, all the accessories. Oh, for sure. He, he's all about yeah. that stuff. So I think that's what it was. It's just like, it's the king's desk, so he wants the king's desk. At the same time, though, Rachel should realize that desk is probably an antique worth millions, and she cannot just set fire to it. <laughs> I mean, like... I don't Clearly enjoy Rachel. Can. I think the show wants her to be like a fun running gag, but I, whenever she's on screen, I find her very, like, wooden and not in a cool person way, in a just very awkward <laughs> way, and she kind of sticks out like a sore thumb, I think. I really don't enjoy that character at all. I sort of enjoyed her filtering Eleanor's tweets, but that was about it. Yeah, I th and this is something that I've noticed um, throughout season one, which is basically, this might be the only episode where this doesn't happen, which is, since the pilot, every single episode has basically introduced more and more people as they've gone along. So they introduced, like, Nick, they introduced Ashok, they introduced Beck, they introduced, like, every single episode, it's like, here's another couple of new people. Yeah, and it's yeah. just like, stop it, it right. just let, stick to the, like, basic family, stop adding in there, until they got to the, the bottle episode, when they were in the bunker, and then they kind of just stopped adding people, because they were all in one room for ten minutes. Technically, because we'll get to it, but there's another character that gets introduced about halfway through this episode, who you would think would show up a little more often, but does not. Um, oh, the Barbara yeah, Bush of the yeah, Royal exactly Universe. So. <laughs> 
Yeah, she's, I mean, she's not really a character, though, is she? she no, I mean, she's no. not really a character. She's just, she's there for to make a weird point, but yeah. So after, I mean, after this this um um the table scene, I, I think we go back next. to Jasper and Eleanor in. Eleanor's in her, of course, Archer spy getup, and she's in her room. Um, oh yeah, yeah, the. They're getting ready to oh go to the... Oh my god, this the, scene. ...to meet the bridge. I wish the audience could see that my <laughs> eyes rolling back in my head every time we mention these characters together. I'm getting so fired up. Yeah, she's isn't, isn't he on the phone yes. instructing her to go around the room? Yeah. This is the yeah. scene where um, he tells her in regards to him having sex with her mom, you've got to get over that, in fact. Yeah. Um, but he's... She's... Snuck back into her room. I don't really know if these people are allowed in the palace or not. To be honest with you, um, um, I, th- I mean, I these half bloods, saying... these common <laughs> blood people. Cyrus definitely uses the term "halfy" in this episode. Um, they keep they keep you saying use the tunnels to each other, don't they? Yeah, I think they're like use the tu- just uh, just as an excuse. They're like everyone this, knows the about tunnels. the tunnels. Everyone knows about the tunnels. They probably yeah. take tour groups through them. I think that's for our benefit, really, rather than the characters. It's just so we go, so. oh, yeah, they escaped out the tunnels rather than going through yeah. the front gate. So Jasper hid all these loaded guns <laughs> and a bag of knives around Eleanor's room. And she's like, you could have asked my permission. And he's like, well, you were mad at me, so I didn't want you to have access to a loaded gun. <laughs> and it's like, but she could have, like, dropped her mascara one day, looked under the desk and been like, <laughs> oh, my God. There's a gun tape here. She could have been like, gotta get something off the top of the wardrobe. Oh my god, there's a gun. Or, God forbid, she tried to make a fire in the fireplace. There's a fucking nylon bag of knives up there that's gonna set flame Especially at considering once. they establish that one of the spots where he hides a gun is a place where she had previously hidden drugs. So it's entirely... Oh, yeah. She was gonna go yeah. for the drugs and be like, okay. Yeah, he's just... He's not smart. This takes me back to, like, on the previously on for this week, it showed him getting arrested, and just the dopey, open-mouth look on his face of, like, what is happening? Like, he just looks <laughs> so, like, confused and stupefied. Like, the audience can't see the faces I'm doing, but just know I'm doing a 100% perfect Jasper impression. I transformed. That that thing was, as well, that was, like, a really good... Um, not an end to the storyline, but you felt like, oh, Ophelia's finally getting some agency here. She's finally doing something. She's finally taking yeah, control. Immediately and then undone. literally the following week, it's like, oh, uh, she's she's rescinded the charges. You're out. And it's like, well, what was the point of how oh, you said Ophelia? Down? You mean Eleanor? She meant so- him and Eleanor. Eleanor, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah. Eleanor. Not yeah, only has sorry. she yes. reversed the charges, gotten him out of prison, she is now reliant on him once again. So it's just a complete yeah. about face in the span of one episode. They do, I will give this no. scene this, though. They do roll back some previous comments uh, from Ophelia on America and guns because when she's finding all the guns, Eleanor says, you're so American. So apparently guns are now honorable in America <laughs> again, contrary to what Ophelia previously told us. Yeah, I mean, th- the reason I thought about um, Ophelia was because obviously that's the next, like, the next storyline that's going on in this episode is um, Ophelia was meant to be going to New York to follow her dreams of being a terrible dancer. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> instead, she's now going to Rio with with Liam to yeah. And she something. lied to Ted about it. Yeah, basically yeah. Liam says They're to gonna her... They're going to be... 
we could go anywhere we want. They're going to be ordinary. They're going to be ordinary people, and he's going to be a fisherman like his father, and she's going <laughs> to sell flowers, which both of them would hate that. They're so no, spoiled. They well, do you know what, though? I mean, obviously, that's that's a little bit later, but I I love when characters who are trapped in a situation or who are in a certain life have, like, a fantasy about a simpler life. Like, that always... Whenever I see that, like, in films or on TV or in books, I always love just two characters being like, oh, I wish I was this and I wish I was that. And it's like, oh, well, I guess I'm going to have to go to the electric chair now. Like, I literally love people just <laughs> fantasizing about a different life that they can have, that they, that you know they can never have. But it's always super banal. And it's just like, you sell flowers and I'll, it's, I'll be a fisherman. It's like, what? What? Like... Do you even know how to fish? Does Liam know how to do anything? Because he God, seems... no. Where are you going to get that startup money for that flower shop, Ophelia? you got to think about that. <laughs> I was picturing her as Eliza Doolittle in My Fair Lady, like 100% at the beginning, <laughs> pre-makeover. Um, by the way, the actor who plays Cyrus would make an amazing Henry Higgins. West End world. You're welcome <laughs> for that one. Make it happen. This episode is a little bit light on Ted. Like There's one he catches Ophelia God. here, yeah. He catches Ophelia here, and and he kind of appears um, later on at the door to the king's bedroom. Um, but it's mostly kind of like, um, you know, Liam and Ophelia is the main storyline on one side, and obviously like the queen is the the main story on the other side. While Eleanor and Jasper are wandering the streets of London and meeting people under bridges. Um, <laughs> Well, so I think the next point actually is uh, is Cyrus visits his brother, I believe, in his uh, yeah in his room. Is it time? I think it is. Is it time I mean, for it the is. scene? The the yeah. <laughs> and who is standing yeah. there? I feel like Sally Field accepting her Academy Award. This is the best. Who is standing there? But <laughs> Cyrus and Simon's mother, previously unknown to us. But apparently alive. She looks like Barbara Bush, but scarier. <laughs> which is really saying yeah. something. I can't remember who respect. informs Cyrus. Someone, is it, um, what's his face? Uh, the other servant who isn't Ted. Who, Lucius? Lucius. Is Lucius the one who says to Cyrus, your mother's here? Maybe. I can't and remember if like... it's Lucius or Rachel, but it's one of the big yeah. two. Yeah. One of them, like, inform him. It doesn't and, matter. And he's like, and I'm just... he gets super excited. And runs to see her. (laughs) In this scene... Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I could not get over how much this was like Robin Hood, any version of Robin Hood's King Richard, the Lionheart, and Prince John. Like, you know, in the (laughs) Disney movie, Mother always did like Richard best. Like, it's so those characters from Robin Hood, especially the animated version, but it's like a classic part of that tale that like King Richard was the more beloved in the family and i feel like they were purposely really hitting us over the head with that but i loved it and i wish that every character turned into an animated lion just for the time being uh i just want to note this brings the total tally of characters who showed up later in the season and definitely should have been at robert's funeral to three at this point (laughs) which were his best friend. Uh, they're both the grandmas. Both the grandmas and his oh, best friend. Oh, his best friend? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Beck. Yeah. Okay. I was yeah, like, Beck. yeah. Huge. But when, hugely. when this, when, um, when, uh, when the, um, the king's mother starts talking and she's like, um, I, cause he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be king. And she's like, oh, I knew this day would come and all this kind of stuff. And, and I was thinking, 
Well, this makes no sense because why would why would she ever think that Cyrus, who is just a spare, why would he ever get to the throne? Why would she? And then obviously, then she twists the knife and she's like, you know, Simon. And then obviously, you know, uh, you see Cyrus so, is kind of like basically oh, she it's... has this entire speech about how she knows she's talking to Cyrus and she's you're like, a good I know, boy. yeah, you're a good boy. I know yeah. you'll be a good king. I knew you would be given this opportunity. <laughs> And then halfway Would you through, like some cookies? and then halfway through, it's revealed she must have some kind of dementia because she thinks she's talking yeah. to Simon, and that the person in the bed is her dying husband, their father. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, "Watch out for Cyrus! You can't trust him." Yeah. She's basically <laughs> and it's like, "Amazing!" She... I'm holding the microphone away from my mouth because it was amazing. Yeah, she just takes him down to his face without. I like to think that she did know it was With him. How bad a good eye! I like to think yeah, it was like a Lydia trick. Yeah, she's like Lydia Soprano. She's faking the dementia mm -hmm. just to really twist the knife exactly, in her son's yeah. back. <laughs> she's already put out a hit on him. Yeah. Oh, that was... I mean, it's a little heartbreaking for Cyrus, because it's like, it's, even your mom don't like it. It's like it. the most tender moment he gets you know. maybe in the entire series so far. Yeah, for like 30 so. seconds. For 30 seconds, you think, oh, someone's saying something nice about Cyrus. And then it's like, oh no, they're not saying something nice but about he, Cyrus because he turns. No one would. He turns around after it, and he's like, he lets her know while pretending to be Simon. He's like, I know Cyrus loves you as well, and he's like clearly heartbroken yeah. by like his mom it's, saying he's a dick. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a great scene. I, it's a total like you do kind of see it coming a mile away because mm -hmm. otherwise the stuff she's saying like Darren said doesn't really make sense with yeah. what we know about the world of the show but it uh but the Andrew plays Cyrus just plays it so well it comes off as being this totally oh, like dark sure. and kind of pathetic scene and um I thought it was really good I think we've talked about this before but every time there's like a sympathy moment for Helena it just doesn't work and it's Definitely yeah. got to be on Liz Hurley's acting because this sympathy moment kind of works for me when he like is really bummed about his mother saying these horrible things. It is kind of for a second. You're like, ah, poor Cyrus. And there's another moment in this episode where I felt a lot of sympathy for Cyrus, or at least I felt I felt something. I don't know. I was temporarily on his side. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I I do think it's an acting thing. I mean, well, we're about to come up on. I can't really talk about this point about. Elizabeth Hurley without us moving on to a pretty major plot point. Are mm -hmm. we ready to talk about? I mean, we've basically been foreshadowing it for a few episodes of the show now, but uh, King Simon's life support does, I mean, he dies while on life support. He's not killed, although Lucius does try to slip in and maybe yeah. unplug him, yeah. slash smother him with a pillow. Ted catches him in there something. being like, he says like, yeah. Abolishment was a cowardly move, and it looks like he's about to try to kill him, and then Ted comes in and is like, hey, and Lucius leaves. I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but I just because I wanted to talk about this thing with Elizabeth Hurley in conjunction with what Zach just said, because she, someone calls her on her, I mean, then we can go back, but someone calls her on her cell phone and gives her the news that he's died, oh, yeah. and she takes, like, a long pause. Her face is... 100% blank, yep, not nothing. a flicker of emotion on it, nothing. Um, and then she reaches into her bedside table, and I was like, bitch, don't do it. And she pulls something out, and I was like, girl, you better not. And a 
fucking course, she opens up a compact and starts touching up her makeup and putting on lipstick. And I was like, no, <laughs> no. I was, because I wasn't just mad at the character. I was mad at the show. I was like, when she did it after Robert's death, it was weird. When she did it after King Simon's accident, I'm like, okay, we get it. When they yeah. broke out the same tired shtick a third time, instead of having any emotional response from her, I'm like, yeah. either this is the laziest writing and direction ever, or you're trying to tell me that this character is a psychopath because obviously she For doesn't sure. feel emotional connections of any kind. And I, yeah. she and Simon did not hate each other. No. Even after everything that happened, they did not hate each other. They were not enemies. There's, I even wrote down no. exactly her response on the conversation because it's all of this is completely in monotone. She picks up the phone, ring, ring, ring. Yes? I see. I understand. End of conversation. That's it. Well, she says thank you for she says thank oh, you for calling me or something calling. along those she, lines. She doesn't forget her Which manners. Made Which me you, think I, of um, the scene in the newest version of Cinderella, where the farmer comes to tell Cinderella that her father has died, and she's sobbing, and she says, "It must have been very hard for you to tell me." And it's a moment that's supposed to show us, like, that Cinderella is so kind and open hearted that even at her lowest moment, she thanks this other person. Did not get that effect with Helena in this moment gonna, at all. And I'm gonna get She's to this, more of a wicked stepmother. We'll get to this a little later, but in terms of doing a shitty job of telling someone their loved one is dead, Marcus does a shitty job of telling Liam that his father is dead later on in the episode. We'll, we'll get to that when it's time, but holy shit. What's, what's puzzling is the queen is in the same um, castle as the king, yes. or palace, mm -hmm. so... Why didn't someone just come and knock on her door? Why are they... They knew she how didn't lazy care. has this... They must have known yeah, that she didn't give a fuck. <laughs> Phone so calls how lazy has this, has this staff gotten that they just can't even be bothered to walk to the, the royal bedroom and knock on the door? It's like, oh, just send her a text. She'll be fine. But let's... It's a super bizarre moment. And I think the next scene we get is actually Liam and Ophelia on the airplane on the way to Rio de Janeiro. Uh, kill me. I hated this scene. Just before that, because it is like he's because we, we get Gemma very briefly. Oh yes, um, set, setting up the, the setting up the Chekhov's text message at the end, where um, Liam and Ophelia leave, and Marcus is like, um, "I'm not going to do an Irish accent," but he's like, "Oh, you don't think I would let you go without saying goodbye and all this kind of stuff?" And so they're like, "Oh, you know, thanks for." He's like six years, and they're kind of like reminiscing, and then they go, and then Gemma just appears and is like. Isn't it terrible that Ophelia is going off with, you know, this this The girl of your dreams. Guy. Yeah. But the weirdest thing is, uh, like, earlier in the episode, I think, I can't remember if it was Gemma and Ophelia have a brief conversation where she's like, I heard about the audition, and she's like, my family are, are a patron of the arts. She says that to Marcus, not to Ophelia. She says that to Marcus. Uh, so yeah. that was a really annoying scene, even though I love Gemma, and I think usually she and Marcus play very well off each other with their, like, seething hatred slash possible sexual <laughs> attraction. I'm keeping that theory out in the universe. I'm the only one. Um, but it would be more interesting than most of the couples on the show, you've got to admit. Anyway, um... There was nothing earlier in the season, in my opinion, that set up that Marcus had this huge, long-standing crush on Ophelia. I mean, they spend no. some time together, but they're usually talking about Liam, and it just, it, they didn't foreshadow that at all. There was none of, like, no even shots of him, like, looking at her. Yeah. 
No. I mean, he could have been, like, standing in the courtyard looking up at the clock tower. I mean, you know, how hard would that have been? I guess because yeah. the clock tower doesn't exist. And if exist, anyone asks him what so. he's doing, he's like, oh, just oh, checking the time. time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been funnier if they'd have had him stand in outside um, the Houses of Parliament, like, looking up at, at, the, at Big Ben and pretending that that was where she lived. Um, but... Um, yeah, it's weird because, um, like, obviously that, that thing with Marcus and Ophelia kind of does just, like, come out of nowhere. And you're like, well, like, there's not really and been any no setup. And it has no impact, too, because yeah. he, hasn't, he hasn't been yeah. in season two. And, and not yet, yeah, but, but Gemma also does the thing of saying, well, you know, you know, Prince Liam, he fucks him and leaves him. And it's like, no, he doesn't. He does not. This is the exact opposite. What are you talking about? She's just like, oh, you know, next week, next week he'll forget about her and he'll be fucking something else. That's what he's like. He's the prince who fucks anything. It's like, stop telling me this because this is not true. In 10 episodes, yeah. he did that once, once. And it was barely anything, you know, like, yeah. it was, and he's, so, so again, like Gemma's like, <laughs> she's coming up and she's just like, Oh, my family's sponsored dance companies. Oh, by the way, Marcus, I know you love Ophelia. Watch out, because Liam fucks anything. It's like, what are you talking about, Gemma? You're just making know. stuff up now. It's such yeah, a it weird was... kind of intervention that she comes in. I've talked about this before, about how this characterization doesn't work, because even if he was like that before he met Ophelia, and it's supposed to be like, Ophelia's the one, because he's so different with her. We haven't seen any of that, so it's yeah, like, no. okay, stop telling me, show me, or stop fucking talking about it. And that was a clear instance of stop fucking talking about it. Once Because then we get Liam and Ophelia, then they're on the plane, they're on the way to Rio, they're talking about being fishermen and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the most obvious twist in the entire of this episode kind of like comes up where like there's no reason for a plane to have all the windows pulled down in the middle of the day unless it's to reveal. I feel like we should mention this briefly because we've neglected it to mention it once already in this episode. Oh, so, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Liam mentions incidentally something about... Well, Ophelia notices that... Liam's necklace is different. He has lost the St. Christopher that used to be on there, and instead it's replaced with a little medallion with a little symbol on it that looks like some dominoes Uh, falling over. And this this is the second It looks like a bunch of fucking rectangles. One of them is slanted and the other ones aren't slanted, basically. (laughs) It's as if all the dominoes are about to fall, I think is what it's meant to imply. And this is actually the second time we saw it, because in one of the earlier episodes, Elizabeth Hurley's character is going through some mail... She opens one up, and it's got the little symbol on it, and she looks at it all meaningfully yeah. for a second. Um, so Also, uh, Liam has made an agreement with Cyrus that if he uh, gets the plane, then and he gets to have access to King Simon when he wants, then he will like leave the country and renounce all claim to the throne yeah. and, like, basically stay out of Cyrus's hair. So Cyrus is like, great, take the plane, do what you gotta do, just get the fuck <laughs> yeah. out of here. He's like, have the royal jet and then go. Which, again, it doesn't make any sense because, you know, King Simon is, like, barely hanging on to life. Why would he pick this moment to have the jet? It would I, it would make more sense if he said, once King Simon is dead, uh, give me the jet and then I'll go. But Instead, he's talking he's to Eleanor like, about, like, when Dad's better, I'll come back and I'll make it okay. And I'm like... <laughs> And you, they, Queen Helena probably sent your dog to a farm up country, too. I'm sure yeah. she did. Every single character behaves as though King Simon is already dead in terms of their plans, more or less. He's already been ghost 
dadding around. He's already ghost dad to me. I don't even know who King Simon is. Yeah, good point. Good point. The next scene, I believe, is actually Helena being interviewed by some local oh, journalist. So she's being interviewed for some news channel about the affair she had that um, allegedly brought the twins into the world. And obviously, as the viewer, we know the person she had the affair with was Alistair, whatever the fuck his name is. Lacey. 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 Yeah. And she instead blames the affair on fucking Henry, who Lacey talked about like five episodes ago for two minutes. Yeah. It's the masquerade story, isn't it? That Correct. kind of pays off. Yes. Yeah. 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 When they're laying under that fur blanket by the fire and she's wearing like a corset from the year 1900. <laughs> and I got to hand it to the show at the time and probably even in that episode, which we recorded, I feel like I was like, why the fuck are we hearing so much about Henry? <laughs> but oh, I, I remember who that he way. was. Yeah. yeah. That's there's true. Nothing, there's nothing in this show that they do not set up episodes in advance, apart from apparently stuff that Gemma literally just said today. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, there's so much like stuff being kind of like wrapped up and paid off here. Um, but yeah, it's it's weird. It's weird that like because um, they t when um, when Liam finds the necklace, he's like, "Oh, so when you found me in the alley?" And she's like, "No, I found you like somewhere else." Mm -hmm. And it's like, "Oh, okay, like." That's weird, uh, but you know, I get, I get, I, 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 it seems like such a weird thing for someone to be like, I know what I'll do, I'll switch this guy's necklace and hope that he notices a symbol at some point so in the future. So far, all this secret organization does pretty much is just like put their symbol on shit and send it to people. Yeah. Like they don't really do yeah. anything nefarious. <laughs> I mean, you could argue based on what we know about in season two, which again, I won't spoil we'll there, yeah. the whole point is just to get the name Domino out there and to remind people thing. of that existence. Yeah. So like that might yeah. actually be the point. Like I'm, I'm not even kidding. I think a lot of it might just be like, remember this thing that happened, mm. but we will cover all of that as stage of fools moves into season two. They should have used be... a more recognizable symbol though, Ooh. if that was their call. It really looks dumb and bad. I couldn't believe that it took Liam that long to realize that the pendant around his neck had changed, too. Like, I have pieces of jewelry that I wear every day. If anything about them changed, I would immediately, I mean, maybe not immediately, but I think I would notice it very soon. But it's a good... I think Liam and Ophelia are both oblivious to everything because Ophelia is oblivious to the fact that... They were heading to New York and not Rio. Like, there's a difference in the, like, the time if you, of the flight. If a plane yeah. suddenly starts landing, you know the difference between how long it takes to get to Rio and how long it takes to get to New York. So, can we just charge through and finish off this Ophelia and Liam plotline? Yeah. Because honestly, I Go can't take it. anymore. Go for it. Absolutely. Uh, okay. So they're having their romantic convos on the plane or whatever, and he sees the symbol on his necklace and kind of realizes like. There might be some bigger forces at play here in my brother and father's deaths. And so he gives her this whole bullshit speech about destiny. Now, she needs to follow her destiny and become a dancer because, okay. And he needs to follow his destiny and avenge his father and brother. And so she tries, briefly tries to get him to stay in New York with her. And uh, he's like, no, I'm going back to England. You're staying in New York. It's amazing. They get all the way to New York, and then he gets back to England, like, in the same day. I didn't even yeah. know that was possible. That's a good plane, man. That royal plane. Yeah, that private plane. It's upgraded. It's amazing that's like that they didn't that, have a Kennedy's incident. 
that is like a twelve-hour round trip that he does in one day, uh, and that would that would kill me because I've done that journey in both directions and coming back the jet lag from six hours. It is in, that is insane, oh. and it's just like when he got back, he would not be in any condition to do what he's about to do. No, I think he's lost it. I think based on what he does, he actually has gone out of his mind. Well, he's gone travel that. mad. <laughs> I think maybe the jet lag has hit him. But, he's got um, cabin fever. That's quite a payoff. The ra- but yeah, not before the wrap upon the wrap upon Gemma is just um, to 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 um, to a lovely cover and nothing else matters. Uh, she does some terrible looking dancing. And some guy sends him. You said Gemma. You, you, you Ophelia. Ophelia. Sorry, oh, I'm confusing. It's only because Gemma is the one who sends a text message to this guy because he's like, "Oh, she's doing. She's auditioning," which I don't know why because I thought she'd already auditioned. Anyway, and no, Gemma's just like they invited her to audition in New York. That's yeah. all. Oh, okay. they they invited her to audition. So this isn't even a sure which, deal. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where well, she's like staying Nielsen. for this trip. I don't know. It's how not even a callback. It's just an invite no, to just, audition. Yeah. God, this makes no sense then. But Gemma basically is paying to keep her over there. Yeah. Is the payoff to that storyline. Yeah, because... That's thought- the nicest thing Gemma has ever done. Even if it is for <laughs> selfish reasons, she just yeah. gave this girl the opportunity of a lifetime on a silver platter. I wish this Where's would she- happen to me. Let's be honest. <laughs> I wish. Ophelia would not... And I'm as good a dancer as Ophelia is, for the record. Yeah, she would not have booked that gig without Gemma's help. Straight up. Yeah. So I, I th- like I thought that was just like a funny end to it. Although I liked the kind of dancing around to Metallica. I mean, yeah, you know, uh-huh. I can I can live with that as a. But it just seems like a weird place to leave Ophelia's storyline, where it's just like, oh, she's in New York because Gemma paid to keep her there. Uh, and I was like, oh, I guess then, you know. And we um, haven't really picked up with either of the girls in season two. So Gemma, yeah. not at all. Ophelia, just to confirm that she's still there. So, yeah. uh, okay. <laughs> that was just so bizarre. But back Pondside, uh, Pondside, I meant UK, in the UK. Nope, that's not, across, that's not how I, it I, I like messed up across the pond and like... <laughs> On the other side of the pond. the pond. It's a saying. I mean, it might be a pond. <laughs> It might be a pond, given how quickly um, uh, Liam returns over it. You know, that's it's... true. It is not our world. We've established this is not the real world, so maybe the distance is very <laughs> yeah. small between New York and London. Um, but back in the UK, Helena has entrusted Lucius to deliver this fateful letter to Alistair Lacey. Bad idea. And Alistair watched the interview she gave where she name-dropped Henry, his best friend, Henry, and uh, Lucius shortly thereafter arrives in Alistair's house with the letter, um, which he neglects to read. He just says, just tell me if it says goodbye, which is... Oh, yeah. Then <laughs> Lucius gives him, like, the recap of it, and he says Helena doesn't want to see him for a year. And Alistair, to his credit, seems like he's not interested in seeing her ever mm-hmm. again, but he would like to know... No whether or not the twins are his biological children so that he could potentially have a relationship with them, which honestly might be the best thing for Liam and Eleanor at this point. But twas not to be, for Lucius leaves the room and gives the nod to these two henchmen who go in, we hear gunshots, mm-hmm. and Alistair Lacey is dead. Yeah. Definitely dead. Yes. And the weirdest thing, like, obviously Lucius is like, um, he'll guard the letter with his life. And you're like, okay. And then when he gets back to the 
um, the palace, he's like, oh, I delivered the letter. And the queen's like, oh, okay, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And then Cyrus is like, did you deliver my message? And it's like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, we get it. You told him to have him killed. Like, come on. It's, it's just the no, way no. he says it. No, they do this really stupid thing. He goes to Helena and Helena's like, did you deliver my message? And he goes, the message was delivered oh, yeah. and yeah. received. <laughs> and then Cyrus goes, did you deliver my message? <laughs> and Lucius goes, the Prince Regent's mm. message was mm. delivered mm. and received. In like the exact same <laughs> way. This show is in love with super stupid parallel structure that doesn't sound like how humans talk at all. But that was one of the most egregious examples I had seen. It was mm. truly something else. But yeah, so, so you know, that's that storyline tied up. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> the doctor has been sent away. Um, Don't let the door you know. hit you on the ass on your way out, Alistair. Bye bye. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, Ophelia's in a different country. Marcus is going to be leaving. Gemma is done with. Like literally, everyone's like, "Yeah, we're done with stuff." Um, it's like the end of the, high school. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the separate ways. <laughs> the only kind of outstanding story that's kind of left, um, other than obviously the the montage that will. Obviously, which, which will arrive in a second, uh, is with Eleanor and Jasper as they finally meet the the guy in the hood, yeah. who um, you know who 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 after previously, I, I mean I don't know why he didn't go into more detail when he was in the lift. He just basically went, "I killed your brother," and then wandered off. Yeah, and then he's this like, "This guy meet me has under to deliver bridge. every sentence in the most dramatic way ever. Like he'll walk away and then walk back <laughs> when he could have just stayed there and said whatever the fuck he was going to say." He says one sentence and then he's like, meet me under the bridge at midnight and then wanders off. And you're like, am I ever going to have a second sentence with this guy? You know what? I wish he had kept on doing that. Like he delivered them one more piece of information (laughs) and then he's like, all right, now meet me tomorrow at the warehouse. (laughs) It's like a scavenger hunt. Uh, So Um, Jasper and Eleanor kind of do their thing where they talk at him very aggressively mm -hmm. to try to get information out Mm -hmm. of him. And he says that he was paid off to stop me if I'm getting something wrong. It's a fake story, so it's hard to know. He was paid off to shoot down a like military aircraft yeah, that Robert like, was co-piloting. He, he worked with drones, right? He was a pilot for a drone drone planes. Yeah. And he was paid he off to... He took control. Exactly. Of Yeah, he took control of Robert's plane and crashed it. Yeah. And okay. that's... That's, so he didn't shoot his plane down or anything no. like that. He just literally crashed it into the And ground. he makes a note. And, okay. yeah, he makes, so, you know. He makes a note, one, that he's killed a lot of people before. I don't know why he tells them that, but he goes ahead. <laughs> yeah, he's super casual about it. One man with a bare hands just for looking at his girl. And I was like, All right. no, thank you. Let's not go down this avenue. The other the dude with a hammer. Don't let Jasper get any ideas. These are nasty yeah, ways to kill a person. It's unpleasant. And he has kind of like that, like, um... Darren, how would you classify this character's accent? Because it's very different from the ones mm-hmm. of the royal family, it's and I'm trying class, to think what I word it is. Seems, yeah. I think if Correct. you've been disparaging, you would say he's a chav. I'm not that's... trying to be disparaging. I mean, no, I get but a it's, a, bit it's of just a more. Chavness. It's just yeah, it's a bit. It's just a common accent. It's it's like kind of um, lower class. Uh-huh. Yeah, of, so he's like he's dropping letters here and there to kind of make sort it of like, like uh, the royal. maybe an attack the block esque more yeah. accent. Yeah, yeah. it feels like a This Is England character wandered into the show. <laughs> it's like they're trying to show, like, 
the gritty side of like lower class England. Uh, he also kind of felt like a ripoff of James Cook from Skins a little bit. So I was just like, <laughs> this is so funny. What is this character doing here? Right. I mean, he kind of brings some much needed contrast, I guess. He get, he kind of goes, I've got a gun. And then Marcus is like, I got two guns. And it's and Mar- Marcus, sorry. Sure. Yeah. Jasper is like I got two guns and it's like okay he beats him. <laughs> like, two guns better than one what are you gonna do yeah um, it's like alright just just tell him what he wants to know there but, is a um, very important aspect of this conversation I don't want to skip which is that yeah we still have lots more to talk about he yeah. notes that because of course Robert was a holy being that was beloved by all <laughs> he makes a special note to say I wouldn't have done it if I knew it was him, not because he's the prince, but because it was him. Oh, how yeah. touching. Oh, Robert, beloved now, by the people, so. Uh, yeah. Hoodie Guy says that there were messages coming from the palace all the time. Oh, yeah. Sort of insinuate that yeah. they were involved in ordering him to shoot, or de- er, to, you know, crash Robert's Send, crash the plane. Uh, yeah. craft. But I just wanted to say... I'm sure if a prince were in the military, there would be constant correspondence with the palace. That doesn't sound super yeah. far-fetched to me. That was, so we basically, we now kind of know what happened to Robert after... Because obviously this is... Or you know, that goes we? all the way back to the pilot. Well, that goes all the way back to the pilot in terms of, like, a loose end. So it's kind of like... Because throughout the season, people have constantly said... You know, oh, was it an accident? Was it an accident? What happened with Robert? Like, they keep of mentioning... Of course it wasn't an accident. <laughs> you know, and even that whole, he killed himself, no, he didn't. Like, Was you it know, an accident kind of... when Jesus himself was nailed to the cross? No, it was not. And it's the exact same thing with Robert. Exact. Perfect. Except if you, if you nailed Robert to a cross, he would just pop the nails back out and just get down. He wouldn't hang up there for hours and die. He hasn't got time. He hasn't got time to do that. He's so buff, you couldn't get the nails through his muscles just on his hand. Like, stop it. He's too busy getting teen girls sober, okay, you guys? He doesn't have time for these off-color jokes. Oh, Robert. You're my dream. Um, <laughs> we hardly knew ye, literally. So back at the palace, are we done with that conversation? The, I think uh, we are, yeah. Will we ever be done with that conversation? <laughs> We're as done as we can be. Back at the palace, um, Eleanor, Eleanor informs Liam. Like, Liam barges in. Eleanor's like, what are you doing here? And Liam's reasonably like, what the fuck is Jasper doing here? But... <laughs> yeah. But, uh... Yeah. Uh, Eleanor informs them of this correspondence from the palace that maybe organized Robert's death, and Liam's immediately like, it was fucking Cyrus, and storms off into the other room where Cyrus is. Cyrus gets a moment to call Ophelia, quote, a frolicking commoner, which I love. (laughs) Then comes the best part of the episode. Yeah. Uh... Liam just starts to throw down with Cyrus. Another and another callback to a previous episode in that he goes to the get the scimitar mm-hmm. off the wall yeah, he does. and takes it out of the sheath and then he puts it back in the no, sheath and, like, and uses it to bar the door. No, he's uh, like he pulls and then the he scimitar. punches the shit oh, out of so Cyrus. <laughs> he beats him to a bloody pulp, and Cyrus either 
I won't say will not fight back because we all know he would if he could. He can't fight back. He's like, help me, help me. But he, I mean, Liam but sucker punches him he first. He sucker because he's just like, he's like, oh, what are you going to do? Stab me? And he's like, no, punch. Yeah, he <laughs> says, like, oh. I think he says stabbing is too good for you. <laughs> yeah. You try, you killed I my will brother, say, you tried to kill my dad. It's not that it isn't deserved because murders aside, it's still deserved. It's 100% deserved. But I still felt a moment of genuine sympathy for Cyrus when Liam was accusing him of killing Simon. And Cyrus is like, no, no, I, I killed him every day in my mind, but I could never actually kill him. He was my brother. And like the way he yeah. says he was my brother, I was like, oh, right there. Yeah, that, right th- I, the think, I think obviously we've talked so much about how, um, you know, Cyrus is, the, is like kind of the strongest actor. Mm. And just the way he says that about his brother, you like, you kind of believe he, he could never kill him. And it's just like, yeah. he, you know, as much as he wants to, as much as he pointed a gun at his head in the pilot episode, and he could have easily just blown his head off right there. He can't up, because, yes. he, you know, yeah, but like he just, you know, because he loved him and he was his brother. And, you know, I, I, I think, you know, he's showing a lot more emotion than the Queen has ever oh, shown for sure, for sure. about, yeah. about Simon's not death. forget, re did he or did he not kill these people? He's definitely a murderer because he had a man killed earlier in this episode already. So No, yeah, he definitely deserves it to be beaten and he is a murderer and a bad person. But that I really believe that he's not I don't even consider him a suspect in yeah. Simon's death yeah. anymore it's just there's just too many especially for the last kind of like three or four episodes there's just been too much of oh it could be Cyrus yeah. do you think it's Cyrus oh it looks like it's Cyrus yeah Cyrus looks good like there's far too much of that when you're like well then it just can't be Cyrus everyone keeps saying it so often they could do like a scream style twist where the guy they keep saying it is turns out to be the actual guy spoilers for the movie <laughs> <laughs> I think based on some of the stuff that happens in season two with more Ghost Dad that it's definitely not mm. Cyrus. Yeah. But, yeah. of course, we don't know yet. It remains to be seen. They manage. Um, so while Liam is pummeling, just pummeling Cyrus. Oh, like, he's wailing on him. Like, there's no tomorrow. Blood he's every, just, all kinds every of time, Every time Cyrus he's gets up, he's just punching afterwards. him one more yeah. time. Marcus yeah. manages... Face gets messed up and everything. Marcus manages to get the door open. Uh, Before this, we cut back to Simon's room where the LED monitor flatlines. Simon is finally dead. Marcus barges into the room, pulls Liam off and says, Uh, Liam's like, just let me let me keep beating the shit out of him. (laughs) He's like, I can't do that. And he says, take your hands. You have to remove your hands from the king of England. Which is how he chooses to tell his friend that his father is dead, <laughs> by the way. It's rough. But Marcus is all about duty over everything, so he takes true. his responsibilities as a palace security guard very seriously, apparently. And Liam right now is just some bastard who has no claim <laughs> yeah. to anything. Yeah. yeah. They make it clear that they've that he's lost the HRH title as well, so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he's not anything. He has he's has nothing apart from, you know, a room in this palace somewhere apparently. Yeah, yeah Marcus um, calls him Sir. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not but, your majesty or anything. So Liam runs to his father's bedside. There's actually a pretty nice shot of him running through the main hall. It's a callback to the pilot episode. They showed him in the morning yeah. of Robert's death running through the checked hallway with mm-hmm. all the windows running through and this time they show him and it's at night so we've gone from 
the morning in the pilot episode to very late at night in the finale, which was not just beautiful, but works really well in terms of the story overall. Kudos on that one, And he goes in to say goodbye to his father, promises to avenge him a lot. Uh, He goes out... Well, no, first Cyrus comes in and rips the... Sovereign ring off uh, Simon's <laughs> finger. Yeah. Liam goes out, and in what was definitely the hardest to watch moment of the episode, he and Eleanor share an embrace. She sort of collapses, crying in his arms, and it's really sad. I mean, we've been saying all season long that we actually really enjoy their sibling rapport, and they kind of bring out each other's most realistic acting moments. And I thought both of them did a really great job with these um, with these scenes here. And I, I want to yeah. highlight, too, that moment you mentioned where Cyrus pulls the ring off, because I think that's a very great ice-cold villain moment for Cyrus, where he just comes yeah. in, and you think maybe he's going to have some kind of emotional goodbye for his brother for maybe yeah. a half second, and he just grabs his hand and pulls the ring off and walks right back out. He doesn't even really look at him. Nope. Yeah. Just in case you didn't think you were going to get your uh, weekly dosage of super on-the-nose music choices, maybe the <laughs> king, maybe the king of royals on-the-nose music choices is that this... I love this, I love this cover, though, so it's I don't mind. Song. It's a cover? Yeah, yeah. I love... I, I love I love Lord's version of this, but mainly because um, it was in one of the Hunger Games films. Yeah. That's why yeah. she did this cover. So it's that song. Then, I don't know who it's originally by. Everybody wants to rule the world. Tears of fears. We all tears of fears. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds that right. sounds right. This is a super intense cover too. It yeah. definitely would suit it's a the good Hunger song. Games. It's it a is good song. very like yeah. Very very yeah. on the nose. Very intense. But it's a good song. Although. The, when they when it builds to the um, is it acting on your best behavior is when when the queen is at the gates when it's doing that bit. Uh, I think like, so. Yeah. Yeah, and then she's as, shaking uh, hands through the gate. Yeah, and then it like it kind of she kind of turns away, and then behind her the domino bow, like ba- banner kind of like and she like curls, sort of yeah. like barely glances over her shoulder at it like <laughs> yeah. oh, this again. Mm-hmm. It's the <laughs> well, least sinister thing in the world. I think in part because it always feels like they're making it up as they go along. Yeah, it's a uh, but like this this entire kind of like um, like montage is probably I'm not going to say it's the best of the series, but I think it's, it's not bad. The, the, yeah, the final good. it might be the good. best montage since the pilot because yeah. honestly the one in the pilot yeah. had uh, the infamous shotgun um, that was good. shot between yeah. Cyrus and Simon yeah. and the final shot so. of the season, if I may, is Cyrus. well just just before that because you, oh. we see on the oh. we see the news we see um, the news where it says um, King declared dead. And then we see um, the maid, whose name escapes me. What's her oh, name? Oh, right. Prudence. Uh, Prudence. Yeah, Prudence. Like, kind of... Does, I don't know who she's turning to, but she does a dramatic... She does a dramatic tummy reveal. And you're like, um, who is <laughs> she turning like, to? And then she, like, she looks directly down the barrel she goes, and she's like... <laughs> don't worry, baby boy. Your dad just became king. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And she's real pregnant, too. I mean, she is, like... She might actually know it's a baby boy. I think she's far along enough to check the gender at this point. Which makes... Which raises question. I can never understand the time frame in which this show is supposed to take place. It's a real mystery. I know you've... 
I know you've puzzled it before, but yeah, it's that seems to suggest that it's been like about seven months since the death of Robert. Robert yeah. since the first that, has, that does not line up with the events of the show where one episode ends and then they're like on the next day, or maybe they'll say it was a week ago or two weeks ago. Yeah, that honestly. That makes no sense. This one starts like directly after the previous one because exactly, cause, there's cause rarely like, a big time three, jump between episodes. Yeah, the last three all take place within a matter of two or three days. It can't be more than that after the stabbing. Yeah, after like after the king is stabbed. Yeah, it all it runs really fast, mm-hmm. and it's um, so I don't know. That's a mystery. It's such a we we fi- yeah. but we get the final shot of the season, which is a bloody Cyrus. He uh, puts oh. on his ring and sits finally on his throne while the music comes to the a very <laughs> to the everybody wants to rule the world part as he sits yes. down. Cut to black. And he's just like smirking logo. and it's perfect. Uh-huh. I have maybe never loved the show more than I did in that moment. It's a perfect finale image. Like it is just it's just it's so on the nose, but it works 100%, I think. For the, for the think. most part, the last, like, five to ten minutes of this episode, pretty good stuff. Like, it's really yeah. the Royals delivering what it delivers best. I think from when they get rid of Ophelia, yeah, mm-hmm. it kind of picks totally. up. <laughs> That's what it is. This show doesn't yeah. do romance well at all. It doesn't know how to yeah. write people in love with each other. It doesn't know how to write people who are in love talking to each that other. The last ten minutes. So that's why we always talk about how much we enjoy the familial relationships more than the romantic ones. More than the romantic ones. Because we get so much more of the romantic ones that we're actually like excited when we get to see scenes of friendship or camaraderie or anything besides like I want to fuck you. <laughs> and I don't think it's a coincidence that a lot of the the last 10 minutes that's really great from when Liam goes into Cyrus's place uh to the end of the episode pretty much forgets about Jasper as well and it's just Yep. I don't think that's yeah. coincidental either. Um Yeah. But yeah, pretty good way to end it uh for that one actually got to give it to that last shot. Yeah, they went out strong. I thought this was a good episode overall. Again, romantic subplots aside, yeah. I think that it was really effective in terms of tying up some plot lines, at least getting them to a place where we could put them aside for the time being, but also introducing some plot points that are going to be huge in season two. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Shannon, do you want to wrap us up with your favorite question? Yes, this is my favorite time of the episode. Uh, and that's favorite moments. Darren, since you are the guest, I'll let you go first. What was your favorite moment or image from this episode? Uh, I mean, I liked, um, uh, Liam, like, wailing on, um, Cyrus. Like, that was fun. But I think just the moment where he puts the scimitar back in and then turns around and puts it through the door and the camera kind of comes around and you see the look on Cyrus's face where he's like, what is going on here? And it's literally the second before he gets sucker punched. Mm-hmm. And that's just like, I mean, the rest, like, as well, like, the rest of the beating is fun, but I think just that, that opening moment where Cyrus is kind of like, what is this guy doing? Like, what's this kid? But, and then, of course, um, you know, Cyrus tries to hit him with the poker and when Liam just, like, kind of grabs him by the throat and he's like, you tried to hit me with the poker? And yeah, you that, see that, that's, that's eyes, he's like, that was a yeah. stupid... He's like, why did I try? And it's just, I like, I kind of like that, that interaction. Because throughout the season, we haven't really got that much kind of, like, Liam-Cyrus... And kind of interaction, like that's, they don't really. That poker. Well, they did have the classic "we're not so different, you and I" moment. Yeah, we're not so different. Um, they did. They did do that, but that was like that was like episode three yeah, or something. That was like ages ago now. So yeah, that was and the garden party. The nice thing about that poker moment is, I think Liam really 
believes that Cyrus didn't attack his father because it's right after he says that thing about he couldn't, he was my brother. And I think Liam buys yeah. it. And then Cyrus tries to hit him with a <laughs> poker and he's like, what the fuck? You tried to hit me with a poker and he starts beating him again. <laughs> yeah. I like I like that though. I like that it was like a respite where he was kind of like, yeah, okay, we've reached an agreement. You didn't try and murder my dad. What the hell? And then they just kind of, yeah. it kind of breaks immediately and I, I thought that was just a funny moment. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's funny because uh, I mean... I mean, I, I don't know. What are your favorite moments? Because I don't want to steal one, but I did. I did want to mention the the king's mother because I thought that oh, was, yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. There was, you know, there was good stuff with other people and Cyrus in this episode. I think yeah. Cyrus himself was, you know, always, all this stuff was good. It's a highlight. Yeah, but I think uh, other people so, had good stuff with him. Zach, what was your favorite moment of that Man, episode? It is hard to beat Cyrus getting pummeled, but. Um, there's a moment, I wanted to highlight another specific moment of that scene, too, in fact. One, before it happens, when he uses the insult, frolicking commoner, which is one of my favorite <laughs> insults ever now. And after he's pulled off, I really like Cyrus, just his shirt wrinkled on the ground, his face covered in blood. And I love that that's the moment that he realizes he has become the king, and he's just a heap on the ground. I kind of uh, enjoyed that that aspect of it as well i mean i'd already pre-decided this before we started recording and my moment is obviously also from that scene but i <laughs> wanted to say specifically his little chunk of dialogue in there about how i killed him every, every day, day in, in my, my mind, mind. Yeah. and yeah. he starts with i poison him which of course is what uh, claudius yeah. does to old king hamlet so i was like doff my cap to thee mark schwan another Shakespeare reference did you give me? Um, and I just thought it was really touching. Like, he was my brother. I couldn't have killed him. Like I said, I believe him. Uh, the other thing I wanted to highlight was uh, nonverbal, the moment of Liam running across the palace floor oh, yes, yeah, in an exact parallel of the pilot episode. There was a lot of really good... I mean, I've talked about how obnoxious they can be with parallel structure in their dialogue, Message delivered and received. <laughs> but in terms of setting things up between the pilot and the finale that felt earned, they did a great job. And so the parallels there were really nice. Again, with the exception, I don't want to end on a negative note. I mean, we'll talk about more things next week with our season one wrap-up episode. Mm -hmm. But I do not need to see Liz Hurley apply makeup after another family tragedy ever <laughs> again. Um, and ever. I want to I note another thing that I think is an intentional parallel in your first uh, favorite moment, which is the little speech he gives, because he says, I poisoned him, I stabbed him, and I shot mm -hmm. him. And I think the I shot him probably is also intended as a callback to that shot in, Absolutely. in the yeah. first episode. Yeah. And obviously, also, like, Prudence tried to poison um, Cyrus, yeah. What's Cyrus? And, and um, you know, so I, I don't know if that was deliberate or if it's just. You know, they wanted to make like another Hamlet reference before they went out, but you know, I, I just I thought that was kind of interesting that he mentions poisoning people when someone tried to poison him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I because of the I shot him though. I could see in Cyrus's mind. I mean, this is just pure conjecture on my part. Every single one of those, like I poisoned him, I stabbed him, being a time when he almost did go through with it and then stopped. Himself. Don't forget that there was a scene like, earlier. It, in the season where he brought that sword to sword out and yeah. was going to 
yeah. impale yeah. them. So that could yeah. be I stabbed him, and then there could have been another time when he was like considering poisoning him. So I could see those all being like aborted. And I would say house. that the stabbing obviously also kind of you know that was King Simon's fate. That is how yeah. he died. Yeah. And so I think him saying that kind of suggests. Oh, maybe he could be guilty of doing that, and then it's like, oh, well, obviously he's not. Yeah. You know, like it's kind of making him the suspect one more final time before dismissing it completely before the end of this, yeah. this season. Uh, does that wrap us up? I think it may for season one. Yeah, that is our last season one episode specific episode. Uh, next week there will be another new episode. Zach and I are going to do a season one wrap up. It'll be less structured than a typical episode of Stage and Fo- a Stage of Fools, but. We just wanted to talk about a few things um, from season one uh-huh. overall. And then following that, we'll be moving on to season two. So that right. will be very exciting. And, bef- and if you've listened this far, I hope you stick around. And before we uh, really sign off for this episode, I did want to do a quick shout out. Um, Josh Hollis, who did our amazing artwork for the cover of the podcast, uh, recently um, sort of did his magic on a picture of Shannon and I standing together, uh, sort of did a promotional image for the podcast that came out looking really spectacular. And you can find that on our Facebook page. Um, yeah, it's a, it's actually an image from Dethroned, which mm-hmm. if you're familiar is the uh, Royals tabloid that exists in the world of the show and also is a Tumblr run by the show itself. Like the official Royals right. news is made to look like a Dethroned tabloid. And Josh just did such a perfect job of putting us into that. Um, yeah. So huge thanks to him. Thanks to him again for our amazing logo. Uh, yeah, if you haven't already liked us on Facebook, uh, if you're not following us on Twitter, now would be an excellent time or, to go and seek out those social media outlets or, because uh, there's all sorts of fun stuff. Or to review us on iTunes also. You could do that. Yes, we would really appreciate that, especially now as we come to the end of season one. Mm-hmm. And uh, while we're saying thank yous, I think there's another thank you that definitely needs to be said, and that's to Darren, first of all, for joining us today, mm-hmm. uh, but mostly for being the reason that this show is even able to happen. Mm-hmm. You do an amazing job editing all our gibberish down into something vaguely uh, coherent. Mm-hmm. And thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Darren. Yeah, it's thank really, you, Darren. honestly, I was so glad to have you on this time. Mm-hmm. No problem. No problem. I enjoy I enjoy uh, listening to it. Um, it's always it's always funny for me um, when editing podcasts. And I think I've said this on other podcasts I've been on, um, like listening to people talking before they record, like before the actual episode starts, and sometimes hearing them after. And I think some of that stuff is quite funny because it's like, oh, so they're kind of just trying to figure out what they're doing as well. So mm-hmm. uh, it's always it's, it's always nice perspective. Entertaining you know, you know, for all you people no trying to get by. This show, Darren, it's a rule. <laughs> so it's all on the fly. Yeah. Yeah. A little but, spoiler know. from behind the scenes. I often don't know the episode's title <laughs> when we start the podcast. So before we give you that lovely little intro, there often is some frantic Googling. But mm-hmm. Aaron sorts through it all, and then we're left with uh, our finished product. So on yeah. that note, thanks so much for joining us tonight. And we'll see you next week for our Season 1 wrap-up. Thanks. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Visit Stage of Fools on our Twitter at Stage of Fools Pod or on our Facebook page, Stage of Fools. 
The Royals is property of E. Stage of Fools is produced by Darren Husted. Artwork by Joshua Hollis.